Well, as I mentioned, I kind of want to build this week on uh, some of the things I was speaking to last week. If, uh, if you were here, I hope you remember that uh, we spoke, or I spoke to, to Psalm 1. It's uh, probably my favorite psalm where I won't rehash the whole message, but the encouragement was to be a people who this year desperately seek after God, to pursue God in perhaps a new way, in a deeper way, to respond to that invitation. And the verse that kind of highlighted in Psalm 1 verse 3 was is about the person who who delights in the law of the Lord and, and the person who meditates on his word day and night. In verse 3 of Psalm 1 that said, That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. And the part that stuck out to me was that it's like a person planted near streams of water. Not just it's like a, it's like a tree that I saw near a stream of water. It was like a person planted. And the encouragement last week was, are you planting yourself near that stream of living water that positions you in a way that allows you to receive what God is doing and the relationship that he's inviting you into? And so I spoke of some spiritual disciplines, perhaps, in, and the, the, that Psalm 1 looks to, the delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night, to be a people who hunger and thirst and yearn for God's word, to speak uh, into their lives and to have him continue to reveal his love relationship to us through his word. And also took you through some sort of a, a, a mind spiritual kind of exercise of taking a plant, planting it in the desert, and just sort of imagining what happens when you, when you plant something in the desert where there's no rain and the, the dirt is dry and cracked and barren, and what, what it looks like when you take that out but put it near a, a stream of living water in green sort of uh, grassed areas like what we see here and to think what happens if you can water that and tend it and see the blooming and blossoming of a plant and that that's what the psalmist is encouraging us to be like plant ourselves near that stream of living water but one of the things about spending time in relationship like with God and trying to cultivate our relationship with God it's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all exercise. And this, was, this came up even through conversation after last week in reflecting uh, about how, how some people relate and how some people continue to grow in, in, in their relationship with God and how actually it can look a little bit different for everyone and so throughout the week, as I was sort of thinking about how to build on uh, Psalm 1 and how we plant ourselves near the streams of living water, it really got me thinking and reflecting on a great book that I'd read a while ago. In fact, when I was in uh, a conference down in Tasmania, someone was spending time looking through this. It's a book called Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas. And 
what Gary Thomas, as a, as a pastor, as a theologian, as an author, as a writer, what he's done, he's spent time looking through not only biblical reference, but then also church history, and he's defined what he says are perhaps nine different spiritual temperaments or practices that he has seen used throughout the ages of the church and through scripture that might be helpful and useful for us in this day and age in our relationship and reflection with God. Because through a lot of the, uh, perhaps the 70s, 80s and 90s, a, there was a big push, and it's a good push from the evangelical church to say, one of the great, sturdy, foundational, strong ways to grow in your relationship with God is to have your quiet time. You remember the quiet time. Now, the quiet time just became synonymous with, I'm spending time just reading the word and praying, just what's in my quiet time. And you'd be asking people, how was your quiet times this week? Do you remember that? Is it just me? How many quiet times did you have this week? Might have been a question you ask in Bible study groups as accountability, which meant, have you read your Bible this week? Have you spent time in prayer this week? Now, don't get me wrong, like I mentioned last week, they're foundational, beautiful things to do. We are in cult. The Psalm 1 said that, meditate on the Word of God day and night. Be in prayer and, and allow God to speak through that. And yet, in just limiting perhaps the way that we relate to God and God relates to us just through saying, you just need to spend your half hour or 45 minute, whatever it is, just in the Word of God and in prayer, doesn't sort of recognize everyone's different way of relating and everyone's different personalities. Again, they're foundations. I'm not saying we jettison that. But what I want to do this morning is look through these nine different sacred pathways, which is what Gary Thomas calls them, are ways that we can relate and respond to God in our relationship. And I hope that means that then this year you'll have a few more tools in your tool belt to think, how can I deepen my relationship with God? And perhaps what's a, a love language that resonates with me a little bit more deeper that perhaps I haven't explored before that God's inviting me into? Um, now, I've got actually some handouts. Do you mind, Paul or Joe? Um, and there's nothing particularly, you know, you're not going to be... Um, getting too many spoilers here. What I've done is just put on a one-page handout the nine different pathways, the sacred pathways that Gary Thomas has put. And I've left some space there in case you want to write some little notes and think about, oh, does this resonate with me? Um, And is it something that I want to try and etch into my spiritual practices, my spiritual disciplines with God this year? And all I want to do this morning is just spend some time going through them. And as we do that, I want you to be very responsive. Maybe not so much in, you know, calling out responsive and talking, but I want you, as we go through each one, to be really reflecting on, is this something that I already practice? Is it something I should practice or is it something that perhaps, yeah, hear that invitation, Is God doing something there? 
Because as a, as a slight sort of overview, and a couple of examples, <clears throat> I have four children, each one of them completely different in personality and style. And each of them like different things. And if they want to, you know, I'm going to spend time with them, they want to spend time with me, it won't be the same thing for all of them. It'll be different. And that's how the relationship works with them. That's their character and personality. And so if I want to continue to spend time with each of my kids, I don't just do the same thing with each one all the time. It caters, it's different. And we're all different in this room. Now, our God's not. He's the same, but yet he, he can um, speak and interact and relate to us in different ways that resonates with us and our personality and our type and our style. All throughout the Old Testament, we can take examples of seeing how some people, the saints of old, they built altars all the time, like Abraham. Or they built structures. We think of you know Solomon, the temple. Some were those who who fought oppression and injustice. God continued to call his people to care for poor and the marginalized, and some really excelled in that. Others wrote songs, wrote poetry. Others scribed and and wrote down things of God and kept them, like Ezra, you know, writing down the law. He was a scribe, kept history and records. Some we can read, some of the prophets who spent time in solitude, in fasting, in silence. Go to the wilderness, they spend time in the forest, they look up to the mountains, where's my help come from? They see nature and they're inspired in their relationship with God. And even in the Old Testament, God set up many rituals and the tabernacle duties for priests that had order and structure and purpose in their service. And there were all ways and means that people connected with God and grew in their love relationship with him. And remember that it focuses around God's love and his love for you and growing in your love relationship with him. And Jesus was the ultimate model as well. In all the things that we look at here, we'll see that Jesus was involved and engaged in all of these kind of pathways because he is the author and perfecter of our faith. When we look to the nine, you've got them on your uh, paper there, but there's the naturalist who loves God through the outdoors. There's sensates who love God with their senses, traditionalists who love God through their ritual and symbol, ascetics who love God in solitude and simplicity, activists who love God through confrontation, caregivers who love God by loving others, enthusiasts who love God with mystery and celebration, contemplatives who love God through adoration, and intellectuals who love God with their mind. And I want to say, as a caveat, to make sure you're understood here, we should engage with all of these. And some indeed are called as, as followers of Jesus, like a caregiver. We're all called to be caregivers. We're all called, called to love God with our, our mind and, and our intellect and whatnot. But the idea is that there are some of these that will just resonate with you more with how God has made you. And so to think about that and to perhaps then be encouraged by some of those areas that don't resonate with you, 
which is an encouragement to say, actually, maybe I should try and practice that here and there. Perhaps something like solitude and silence isn't, isn't something you've ever done before. And yet, I think it could be a healthy thing to think about, okay, how can I put some of that into the spiritual rhythms and practices of my walk with God? So I want to spend a couple of moments on each one of these. And as I do, I pray and I hope you just allow God to speak to you and let him um, bring about some thoughts and encouragements, maybe challenges. The naturalists. So these are those people who love to experience God best, just out in nature, adoring his creation, his world. When you go out on a hike or you go out canoeing on a river or you're sitting by by a brook or a creek, just simply being outside. When you're locked indoors too much, you just get an itchy and a craving. You know you want to go out and you want to see mountains and you want to smell flowers and, and, and you want to be a part of nature. Then perhaps you're a naturalist, that something resonates in you that says, I just want to be out and amongst it. And perhaps there are times when you are outdoors and you just feel like your spirit source, that God speaks to you perhaps with some more clarity when you go out. Your mind starts to clear and you focus your, your heart's affection and mind's attention on God when you're out and about admiring the wilderness, admiring God's creature, uh, creation. Now, again, of course, we should all be able to admire that. The heavens declare the glory of God. You know, like we, we should all have something in us that does that. But for some people, this is just their really sweet spot. And perhaps you've just never recognized that. And so perhaps in, in going through some of these, all I'm going to do is label something that might help you understand a bit better that God said, no, I created you that way. And so when you go out and you spend time looking at the mountains, I know that that's how I made you. I know that that sings in your spirit. And I'll speak to you through that. I'll relate to you through that. I look to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, God's creation, and being indoor, just adoring him through that. Perhaps this year you need to just make that a priority if that's something that sings to you. Each week I'm just going to go for a bushwalk and just allow that to be a time when I just reflect and let God speak, feel the stresses of life go away and just let God be God and me be me and experience him, him in that way. Perhaps you're a sensate. This is loving God with your senses, your sight, smell, touch, hearing, taste. You, you appreciate beauty, art and music. Perhaps listening to music just allows you to connect with God in a special way. You feel closest to God when you're listening or, or working with your hands, doing something that you can physically kind of do. As the picture here is, you know, molding something, doing something practical with your hands or viewing art, photography, 
all the senses being involved. And perhaps you can think of things like uh, incense in some churches that would use that, or lighting a candle, doing something practical that just gives you a representation of something of God. And you, the smell of incense uh, makes you think of prayers being lifted up to God or his presence like they did in, in, the, uh, in the temple, in the altar. There's a story of Henry Nowen who, uh, who spent, I think, a couple of days just staring at a painting. Um, I can't remember what the painting is now, but he was just floored. This, uh, um, this, this, I think it was a Rembrandt. I think it was the father's, uh, the prodigal son, a father's return. And, and he, it just spoke to him, and he spent like he went back, I think, a couple of days to just spend time looking at this artwork. And God was just doing something, speaking to his heart through just that moment of spending time there. Perhaps you haven't realised this is you, but perhaps you should go to a gallery sometime and try and see God through the beauty of creativity and art. Perhaps you should try listening to some more music, whether it be like symphonies or something like that, like Handel's Messiah or, or things like that, or, or just worship music. I don't know. Maybe you should try doing little things, creating little things, Put up, build up a little 12-stone uh, rock um, monument to God. Little things like that, to just experiment with and seek. Taste and see that the Lord is good, and the blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Ezekiel, the prophet, he went through some amazing things in his sort of inauguration of being a prophet, where he saw, I mean, he was being given fully crazy visions from God um, with wheels inside wheels and creatures with eyes and wings and all this kind of stuff, a senses overload. But he was also given a scroll to eat and taste. And he, his senses were so overrun that he spent seven days just in silence afterwards exhausted. Maybe you're a sensate. Maybe you should encourage yourself to see, taste and see that the Lord is good. Perhaps you're a traditionalist. And you know what? This word could maybe come sometimes with a uh, bit of a connotation of someone being a bit stuck in the mud. But I don't want that to be what we're communicating. There can be something really beautiful in the ritual and symbol and sacrifice that God, um, that honours God and is done through the right ways and means. So that might be how you're drawn to God. You need something tangible to do or to draw close to God. And things like Easter and celebrations on Good Friday and Sunday or Christmas services, these kind of markers that happen every year, they resonate with you. They sing to your soul. You might like to have that traditional idea of, I just want to spend half hour each morning in the Word of God and half hour at night in prayer. Like, those things are just ways that do resonate with you. They're not legalistic. That's just how God created you and how you're built. And perhaps things like the communion together, where you have a bread and you're breaking in a cup that you're drinking, and we do this in remembrance of Him, just soars, sings to your body, sings to your soul. Jesus, uh, 
again, it, it was his custom. It says in Luke 4, he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. On the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. That was a ritual that was weekly happening for him, a Sabbath time in the temple. He opens a scroll, he reads from Isaiah, reading of the word. Maybe you're a traditionalist. And you know what? Maybe, see, there are some churches that perhaps have conservative heritage that have drawn people that have some of these different pathways in. And so some of those, you know, traditional style churches perhaps really sing to those kind of traditionalists. And they may draw people in that, that like that kind of way. And they may feel a little um, rubbed the wrong way when you have others who don't worship God in that same sort of style and way. Well, they can do, but it, it's not their direct or best spiritual love language in response to God. Perhaps you're an ascetic who loves God through the idea of solitude and simplicity, a practice that we know Jesus did, and it's recorded in the Gospels how early in the morning, still dark, he got up, he left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed where perhaps you might enjoy the idea of just spending time quietly with God. When you're in solitude by yourself, when you're uh, just in a simple space, you just feel closer to God. Perhaps a a retreat, a silent retreat, sounds great to you. Other people might think, I just can't do that. But for some of us, The idea of going away on a silent, you know, you've got to be silent for a few days. It's just like, yeah, I need that. And I know God will speak through that. Getting away from the external distractions, getting away from your phone, whatever it might be, to just allow God to speak in that time. And that just might be your sweet spot. In this day and age, I think it's a hard one to practice. You need to be really intentional about it. Um, and perhaps you need to think in 2022, how, how can I put in that spiritual discipline to try and practice this a little bit more and just to explore it? You might find that it's, it's really hard for a little while, but then you might turn a corner and just think, wow, actually, God really communicates with me in this way, and I, I just feel I have a better uh, way of just responding to God when I spend time in this retreat, solitude and simplicity. It may be. Again, through this time, just let God speak and encourage you and challenge you. Maybe you're an activist. This one's a little bit more lively. Now, loving God through confrontation. When we say confrontation, obviously, immediately, we generally think about something negative, you know, fights, you know, there was an altercation, there was a confrontation, but we're not putting it in that framework. This is more those people who really feel that passionate need to respond to God's call to act for justice. 
You want to be part of some sort of social and evangelistic cause. You, you actually feel like you're really in the sweet spot in your relationship with God when you're doing sort of faith risk things. You, you want to grow on your dependence on him while striving for justice against evil. And you see the things in this world that aren't right and you know that that's not how God wants it and something in you is stirred to act. It might be as simple as you're someone who wants to petition about things or at least sign petitions against stuff. Or you might be someone who wants to go out and, and, and demonstrate, protest, do that in a right and orderly, proper way against things that aren't right. Perhaps against refugee issues, whatever it might be. But there's something in you that just resonates and you just want to be active in setting things right and doing that in a holy way, not ungodly. You might think that, you know, Jesus turning the tables in the temple is like your favorite part of the gospel. Like when Jesus got into the noses of those people who were selling the doves and, you know, extorting things and Jesus got mad and he turned the tables and he told them, you've made it a den of robbers. It's meant to be a house of prayer. And you think, yeah, I want to be a part of that kind of fight. Micah 6, 8, the beautiful verse that God said to his people, he's shown you what's good, O mortal. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Maybe this year, that's something that has stirred in you, and you think, okay, how can I do that well and wisely, and not fall into the trap of, of being a nuisance in a bad way, but how can you do that well and wisely? Maybe explore that this year. Perhaps naturally, you've been made a caregiver. You love God best by just loving on people. You feel close to God when serving the poor or hosting people in your home or helping out just with church events, being a, a servant but just showing your care for others. People perhaps like Mother Teresa come to mind and they may be kind of inspiration to you. There's people who poured their lives out for others. Again, this is one of those ones where I'm saying, well, I mean, as Christians, we're all meant to be doing that. We are all meant to be, you know, serving each other, loving each other, not looking to our own interests, but the interests of, of each other. But just like in spiritual gifts, you know, we can uh, all be gifted in some ways and, and yet we are still called to serve, even if service is not my spiritual gift, and yet we're all called to do that. Same with this, I think as a caregiver, we're all called to care, but for some people, some people this is just part of their love language. And they feel alive with God when they're doing this and feel like they're doing what God's created them to do. In James, we have that passage where he says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans, to widows in their distress, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Your heart just yearns to care for others. And maybe that's a way that you, in your sacred pathway, can continue to explore this year, how you can grow in that. And that, in turn, also help you grow in your relationship with God. Perhaps you're an enthusiast. 
They're normally the ones you can tell. <laughs> Worship and celebration and, and, and words that are, are words that appeal to you. You just want to be inspired. You feel close to God when you're just uh, feeling like he is with us here and you just want to jump and you want to shout, you want to dance. This mystery and celebration. Again, I mean, the psalmist calls us all to be people who shout to the Lord, who clap our hands, who, you know, do that kind of stuff. But for some people, wow, this is just such their love language. And, and for these, some of these people, they wonder why, you know, the traditionalists don't feel the same way in worship that they do. Because they just want to be putting, raising their arms up, dancing. They want to just be loud and free. And the traditionalists are like, no, I just want to... <laughs> my time here quietly, absorbing and taking on the ritual and symbol. We have that example, obviously, of David, very much an enthusiast. And when the ark was being brought to the temple, how he, David and all the Israelites were celebrating with all their might. Just what does that mean? With all their might before God. With songs, harps, lyres, tambourines, cymbals, and trumpets. And we know that David was dancing in such a way that, in fact, it seemed like it was embarrassing. <laughs> I think the enthusiasts know who they, are, who they are. They just can't get enough of that. They just, uh, and, and probably Pentecostal churches, you know, have got a lot of them in their, um, in their churches. Uh, but... It's a good thing to just be able to recognize and explore. Maybe that's just something that really soars with you. And perhaps this year is another year where you can grow in that. And again, I want to say that as a church community, all of these things I want us to be able to be um, open to and accepting of and welcoming. The last couple. Perhaps... You're a contemplative, loving God through that adoration. Maybe it's a little bit similar um, to the, those who are uh, the ascetic, that you just love spending time in a good book, you're engaging in thoughtful discussion on, on meditation, on prayer and reflection and just contemplating on the things of God. And perhaps we don't leave enough space in our life to do this in general. It's good to be able to reflect. I wanted to use a longer scripture in this because Psalm 63, it's a psalm of David, has this yearning, contemplative kind of idea where David says to God, you, God, are my God, and earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. That's a contemplative, just someone who just wants to drink from God in a dry and parched land where there's no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary. I've beheld your power, your glory. And because your love is better than life, 
My lips will glorify you. I'll praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I'll lift up my hands. I'll be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. The contemplative that just wants to be in the shadow of the wings of God, who clings, who thirsts, who just says, I'll I'll be satisfied with you. I mean, I think that should be an invitation for all of us again. But perhaps it resonates with you. The final one to look through, that Gary Thomas in his book, Sacred Pathways, explores is the intellectual. This is those who just love God with their mind. Experience God best. We love studying the scriptures, learning new things about God. Commentaries might be things that you just love. The great quote uh, from, I think it was, Oh, no, I won't lay it on Spurgeon. I can't remember who it was. When it talked about use your brain when it comes to the scriptures, use your brain. Use as many brains as you can get your hands on. (laughs) You love the idea of studying God's word and digging into it and theological concepts and your bookshelf may reflect that. And that's just how you resonate with God and you feel he speaks. And when you're understanding deep theological ideas, you just it makes your heart sore because you just feel like you get a better understanding of who God is. Proverbs says, let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despite wisdom and instruction. Again, I can't say it enough. Not saying that if that doesn't straight away resonate with you, you should leave it on the shelf. We are all called to be people who engage in God's word and, and who do try and understand and and, and think of the word of God and, and understand who God is and deep theology. But for some people, this just really is their bag. <laughs> I think of my old friend Tim Campbell. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, he, he kind of fits that bill for me when, uh, yeah, you see his library and, and the way that he just studied and loved doing everything from, you know, Greek to whatever it was. And it was always something that just kind of came more natural to him. He loved God through his intellect and mind. But perhaps... That's something you can explore this year as well. So they're the nine sacred pathways, these love languages, as you were, that Gary Thomas outlines in his book. So 2022, I just want you to reflect. What are some of these ways that you could definitely tick and go, yeah, I do, I resonate with God in that way? But then what are some other ways that perhaps you think, you know what, I should challenge myself. 
Maybe I'm going to spend some more time out in nature and just allow God to speak to that. Maybe I am going to spend some more time in silence and retreat. <laughs> Joe's laughing. He's like, that's not going to happen. Maybe that's a challenge. I just want you to recognize there are just these different variety of ways that we can plant ourselves near that spring of living water. And perhaps 2022 is a year of you continuing to just pursue God in a deeper way. You can have some of these in your tool belt. And maybe there'll be ways that God will continue to just nurture and grow and see you become a tree whose leaf does not wither and whose fruit blooms in season, I pray. Let me pray that now. Our God, as we just finish this time, Father, we know that you love us, you adore us, you're drawing us into yourself deeper. And may we continue to just seek you. I pray that these things that we've just reflected on today can be helpful tools to allow us to grow in our love relationship with you, God, and just speak to our hearts and our spirits and, and, and prick open our ears as to what, some of these ways that you would have us engage in this year. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.